Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. This is today's Bible class, about a 13-minute Bible study each day. But even that short period of time, it's so vital to us, it gets us into God's Word and thereby helps us to stay strong in our faith, because faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Romans 10 and verse 17. But it also helps keep us connected in our relationship with God, focused on our relationship with Him and on our souls, and helps us to maintain a more spiritual focus in life and thereby a more positive focus to be able to better deal with what life throws at us every day. We encourage you always to share these short studies with everybody you can. You know people in your life who need to turn their lives around and come to God. Help them by sharing these short studies through Facebook friends, text messages, other technological means, but share with your family members, friends, work associates, neighbors, with literally everybody you can every day you may help somebody get to heaven. What a great blessing for them, but also a great blessing for you. So make that commitment and start sharing today. We're going to get back into our line of thought and study, talking about five questions to gauge our spiritual temperature. Well, we began by looking at the opening lines of the famous novel by Charles Dickens from 1859, talking about the French Revolution and the title of his novel was A Tale of Two Cities. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness. It was the age of epic, or rather, it was the epic of belief. It was the epic of incredulity or disbelief. It was the season of light. It was the season of darkness. Well, it looks like we're talking about contrasting realities at the same time in the lives of the people of France as they were going through or beginning to look toward and then going through what history tells us was the French Revolution. We just use that as an illustration to focus upon the reality of living the Christian life in this world. A true Christian is living in a tale of two cities. We think about our, our spiritual citizenship as being in heaven itself. And in the church the church being the kingdom of God on earth, the kingdom of heaven on earth. Remember when Jesus spoke to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, verses 3 through 5, and he said, except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, the ultimate reality or realization of our citizenship in heaven is being in heaven. But while we still live here on this earth, we're told repeatedly by the Apostle Paul that we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. In Ephesians chapter 2 and, and verse 19, therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. We look also at Philippians chapter 2, I'm sorry, chapter 3 and verse 20. Our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also we eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13, he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us or transferred us into the kingdom of the Son of his love. Well, Christians, true Christians are members of the kingdom of heaven while they're still alive in this earth. The kingdom of heaven the reality of that on this earth being the church itself. We've been transferred into that kingdom. But we still live 
physically in this world, don't we? And it's likened to the kingdom of Babylon, Revelation chapter 17 and verse 5. Or we could think of it, we could think of it as like Sodom and Gomorrah in the days of Lot and Abraham. And remember that Lot pitched his tent toward Sodom or made his home in that direction. And ultimately, over a period of years, he ended up within the city itself. That was where he lived. And that city, well, both those cities, Sodom and Gomorrah, and the cities that surrounded them and the plains there, oh my, they were notorious for their wickedness and evil and ungodliness, immorality. And God destroyed those cities with fire and brimstone. Sodom, or rather Lot, ended up losing his wife in the process. Not that God hit her with, a, you know, with, a, with, with some fire and brimstone, but rather her connection with the city, I think we could understand, was such that while they were fleeing, the angels that God sent to bring that destruction upon the city the angels told Lot and his family, don't look back. Just get out of here as quick as you can. But she looked back, and she was turned to a pillar of salt. How sad. What if Lot had never made his home in that direction, knowing the notoriety of that city to begin with? And then what if he had never actually gone all the way and made his home in that city? You see, we're torn between two forces, aren't we? The force of righteousness and goodness being God. He gives us his word to guide us to live in righteousness, the best life that we could possibly live in this world. But the devil is always out there, like that roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, prowling about, looking around for any soul he can lead into eternal condemnation in hell. 1 Peter 5 and verse 8. A tale of two cities, a tale of two realities that we have to face every day in this life, in this world. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 12, he talked about how in trying times or, well, living in this life, or living in this world is a trying time. But he talked about how the love of some would grow cold because lawlessness will abound. The love of many will grow cold. We can relate to that when it comes to relationships, can't we? Especially the husband-wife relationship. They say those vows. The husband kisses the bride. They devote themselves or dedicate themselves or announce that devotion and dedication to the world that we're in love. We will stay together. We will be husband and wife for the rest of our lives. Oh, their love for each, for each other is burning brightly at that time and in that moment. But how many times over the next period of sometimes just a few years or less, but maybe over an extended period of time, their love for each other grows colder and colder and colder. And ultimately, their relationship comes apart. And they leave one another. How sad. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning with verse 1, we read this. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. 
For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the form or maybe appearance of godliness from an outward perspective, but denying its power. And from such people, turn away. Oh, there are great deceivers out there, aren't they? Who put themselves forward as loving God, having faith in him, being dedicated to him. But the reality is they're living lives of ungodliness. And Paul says, don't have anything to do with them and their ungodliness. Christians should be fervent in spirit. There's their temperature. What should that temperature be? Fervent temperature. Romans 12 and verse 11, not lagging and diligent, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Titus chapter 2 and verse 14, if we look at what the Apostle Paul wrote there, Titus 2 and verse 14, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us, those who would become Christians, in other words, from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own people being zealous for good works. The idea of zeal is fervency. And again, it's taking our spiritual temperature. We ought to love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind. Matthew chapter 22, verses 35 through 40. And Jesus was eaten up with passion for God. Have you thought about that? In John chapter 2 and verse 17, look at what we read about our Savior in his mission from God on this earth. That his disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house has eaten me up. Well, Jesus fulfilled that image Apollos had a fervent spirit, Acts chapter 18, verses 24 and 25. And the Corinthian Christians' zeal stirred up others, 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 2. We need to determine, we need to keep a close check. Again, we get our temperatures checked all the time, don't we? As we go through this period of life in this world, we need to keep taking our own personal spiritual temperature. And we've got five penetrating questions to help us determine exactly what it is. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for giving us your word to guide us, to sustain us, and to encourage us and promise us of the blessings that you have waiting for us in heaven for all eternity. Help us to keep track of our fervency as followers of you and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Help us to maintain that fervent spiritual temperature so that we can be faithful to you, Father, we pray. Please guide us and help us to be the example of this fervency in service and dedication and faithfulness to you to everybody all around us, always, we pray. Please forgive us, gracious Father, and we pray in Jesus' name, amen.